The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. So today people go to the polls in England in the uh, local elections and it is seen as a big test for Rishi Sunak's uh, premiership. We're joined by George Parker, political editor with the Financial Times. George, good morning. Morning. Uh, one of the controversial aspects of, of this election is the changing of voting ID rules for those who go to polling stations. What have they done? Well, basically, for the first time in England, although I should say this happens already in Northern Ireland, but the first time in England, voters will have to turn up with ID um, when they vote. I suspect this already happens in Ireland, does it? Uh, you get a polling card, and if you don't uh, get the polling card in the post, uh, making you, you, know, you make sure you're on the register, first of all, which you can do by yeah. going online. But if you turn up, all you have to do is have ID if you don't have uh, a polling card. Uh, OK. So in this, in this country, up until today, you've been able to turn up, even without a polling card, and just say, I am George Parker, I live at this address, and they'll give you a, a, polling, a polling card. So... For the first time in this country, you've got to turn up with some form of ID, and there are about 20 forms of acceptable ID, most commonly, of course, a passport or a driving license. But it's controversial um, because it's seen as a, a, a sort of bit of a sledgehammer to crack an imaginary nut. The government mm. said that they're worried about um, voters impersonating people, but there have been literally only a handful of convictions for that kind of offence yeah. in this country. So, so the, the idea would be that uh, some communities, for example, passports might not be the norm as a, a form of ID. They mightn't have travelled overseas. They may not have cars, so they've no driving licence. Mm. Uh, but there are other forms of ID. But how many people carry you know, their electricity bill around in their pocket? Well, exactly. You can use an old, old folks bus pass, for example. There were suspicions that this was an attempt by the Conservative government to try to suppress the votes of people who might otherwise vote for Labour. So poorer people who, as you say, may not have passports, ethnic minority voters who, for whatever reason, might feel uncomfortable about presenting their idea at a polling station. So there was, there's been lots of conspiracy theories swirling about this, and it'd be fascinating to see what actually the effects are at the polling stations today. For what it's worth, the Labour Party thinks that in the end this will probably be net-net politically neutral, that you might end up with some younger people, for example, who don't have driving licences, not, not voting, but equally some older voters um, who would traditionally vote Conservative maybe wouldn't have a passport or driving licence either. So they think politically it'll probably have a neutral effect, but certainly it's a, it's a different way of voting today. Now, uh, councils in uh, England have maybe more power than they do in, in Ireland. I mean, obviously the councils here are in charge of the public libraries and the public parks and the roads, the lighting and all of that, but councils in England also control education. They do, up to a point, yes. Um, they, they, they are in charge of local, local, local schools, though increasingly schools over here have opted out of local authority control um, and have become self-standing academies funded directly. So the role of councils have, has been eroded in, in England over time. One of the key things they do, they do still control is social services, which has become a huge issue here with hospitals overflowing, social services budgets being cut, and basically nowhere for people to be um, placed or looks out, no, no one to look after them if they're released from hospital, which just adds to the crisis in hospitals. So that's... One of the big areas they do cover, but otherwise, as you say, there's things like potholes, which have become a huge issue in these local elections. You've heard pictures of Rishi Sunak peering into potholes. It's one of the things that really annoys people. Street lighting is another thing that people get really wound up about. But in the end, these contests 
as I'm sure in Ireland, uh, you know, often come down to national considerations, yeah. for example, the state of the health service or the cost of living yeah. crisis. So although the, the local council may have charge of the social services, they're depending on central government for budgets. And if the budgets aren't there, then the local council gets the blame. But really, it's seen as um, Downing Street's fault. Yes, I mean, local councils do have their own revenue raising powers. Um, there is the council tax, which is which is set, but it's constrained. They can't they, they're limited to how much they can increase the council tax by the, by central government. And of course, they still receive, receive a large part of their funding directly from, from the government. So um, what we want to look out for tonight is uh, what straws in the wind do the results, will the results reveal? So what should we look out for? I mean, what's a good day for the Tories? What's a good day for the Lib Dems? What's a good day for Labour? Well, I think the way to think about this is the Conservatives are fighting on two fronts in these elections, but also in the general election next year. And that's that they're fighting the Labour Party in what's what used to be called the Red Wall, this is former working class industrial areas that traditionally voted Labour, but quite a few of them voted Tory last time. So this is talking here about the north of England and the Midlands, West Midlands and East Midlands, the old Labour heartlands that Boris Johnson made inroads into. So is there going to be a sign tonight that the Labour Party is starting to regain some of that lost ground um, in those areas? The other big battleground is the so-called Blue Wall. This is the rock-solid traditional Tory heartlands in the the wealthier parts of the country, notably the south and the southeast of England, where the Liberal Democrats are making inroads into the Tory vote. So these are areas which are tended to vote Remain, um, are better off, more university graduates, who basically those kinds of voters have turned strongly against the Tories. So in some of the very richest parts of the country, you're now starting to see the Conservative Party losing ground and risking losing seats to the Liberal Democrats. So those are the two battlegrounds to watch out for. As usual, there's a lot of expectation management going on. The Tories have said, oh, we expect to lose 1,000 seats. There are, by the way, 8,000 seats being contested. People think that's a gross exaggeration. But I think you'd be looking at certainly several hundreds, maybe seven or 800 mm. Tories. Tory but but they're, they're kind of trying to manage the message in advance. So if they lose less than 1,000 seats, didn't we do well, given the circumstances? Yes. Exactly. If they lose 1,000 seats or less than 1,000 seats, they'll try to turn a calamity into some sort of victory um, but you know people aren't stupid it will be a it will be a, that will be a big setback if they lost anything close to a thousand seats the Labour Party say they expect to gain about 400 seats but again you have to aim off for that they obviously privately would be hoping for a much larger number of gains and at the end of the day what we'll see is a what they call a projected national vote share where you try to extrapolate out from the local elections how people would have voted across the whole of the UK in a general election and there, that's the really crucial thing, I think, is to see whether those big opinion poll leads that Labour are recording currently over the Tories are reflected by people actually going out to vote. Mm. So typically in the national opinion polls, Labour has a lead of about 15 points over the Tories, you know, pretty big. Um, will they get anything like that in terms of you know, a lead over the Tories yeah. in terms of votes actually being cast in in balance across, now, across uh, George, you and I have spoken many times over the last few years about Brexit. Is it still the, something that dare not speak its name in these elections? You know, because many people will have suffered as a result of the, the fallout from Brexit. But, it, you know, you can blame it on anything, but don't blame it on Brexit. That's still the situation, Pat. I mean, let's say I, I think I used to be on your programme every other day talking about Brexit. Um, and, you know, the fallout of it is being felt across the country in terms of economic impacts, um, the complications in doing business, just complications of people's daily lives. Um, 
so it's a big issue. Um, and there was a poll recently which showed in every single part of the country, apart from one constituency, constituency Boston and Skegness, people now think Brexit was a bad idea. Um, but as you say, it's not on the ballot paper. People aren't talking about it. Um, and there is this conspiracy of silence that we've discussed before, which is basically the Tories own Brexit, so they don't want to talk about it, obviously. The Labour Party know that win, they need to win back seats in the North and the Midlands, which voted heavily for Brexit. They don't want to tell people they made a big mistake, so they're keeping quiet about it. And even the Liberal Democrats, who are the most pro-European party in the country, are targeting seats which again voted leave back in 2016 in places like the southwest of England. So it's an issue which is out there. It's obviously a big problem, but nobody, frankly, is, is talking about mm. it. But it has kind of it embedded itself into the way people regard themselves. And I mentioned the Liberal Democrats earlier looking to make ground in the South. You know, the, the fact that the Tories are the party of Brexit will cost them subliminally at the next election, yeah. for sure. Now, uh, the big set piece of the weekend uh, will not necessarily be the analysis of these results, but rather the coronation of King Charles. Um, how would you describe the mood across Britain? Are people excited about it? It will be a television spectacle, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I don't think excitement is exactly the word, um, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think you know people certainly will be watching it in huge numbers. It will be an amazing spectacle. It's one of the things we do incredibly well in this country, pomp and pageantry and world leaders will be there and it will be a huge spectacle. Um, is there a massive enthusiasm about the crowning of King Charles and his wife, Camilla? Mm, I think I'm sure there will be some people very enthusiastic about it. I don't think it's got anything like the emotional appeal or emotional impact of the the events of, of last year around the Queen's death. I mean, the Queen was cherished and loved and admired around the world and so forth. Charles, I think there's a, the public have a slightly more ambivalent relationship towards him and certainly towards Camilla, his wife. So while certainly there's not any sort of anti-Charles sentiment I've picked up, equally, I don't think there's a massive amount of excitement about ha having this new king. What there is, though, is um, a bit of gratitude that we've got a bank holiday over here and people having a bit of a party, unfortunately, according to the weather forecast, probably in the rain. Now, will he, um, King Charles, have to mention the Commonwealth and the demand for apologies and reparations, uh, the returning of uh, bodies that might be mummified in museums and all this sort of stuff? <laughs> I can't imagine he'll be mentioning that in the coronation ceremony in Westminster Abbey, but it's certainly something he will have to address, um, you know, as, you know it, as, his, as his reign continues, or I suppose maybe he'll try and uh, try not to get involved and in, drawn into what is seen as a political controversy, but... Um, you know, he, he is the uh, he is the king of the of many many of the Commonwealth countries, though not all of them. And of course, they'll be very well represented there in Westminster Abbey. All right, George Parker, political editor with the Financial Times. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at nine a.m. on News Talk.